You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tony Meyer. For more information on other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. I'm Tony. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint Church. It's so good to see you this morning. I'm so glad that you've decided to come. Uh, this morning would not be the same if you were not here. So I'm glad you were here, and I believe that this morning God wants to do something significant in your heart and your life. I don't know if you feel it in this place, but God is, is moving among us. There's a momentum that's building that God is, yeah, amen, that God is beginning to do something among us. People um, in, the, in the past months have been getting healed of incurable diseases and things that, that, that people shouldn't ordinarily be healed of, and, and God is, is moving among us. People are getting delivered from depression and anxiety, and, and God is moving. But I believe it's just the beginning, and uh, I want to just encourage you and challenge you this morning that let's never become satisfied um, with what we've seen and just continue to contend for more in the things of God, because there's always more. There's no end to him. Amen? Amen. Before we move on any more this morning, uh, I want to take a moment and uh, just honor Paige McGovern, our worship director. And um, she is about to have a baby. I don't know if you knew that. Joe just, just said that. But um, her role will be shift, shifting a little bit um, as of today and um, so she can spend more time with the kids. And uh, I've just been grieving this day <laughs> for a long time. But we're, we're happy and we believe in the family unit and just think this is the greatest thing um, for them. And so anytime there is a change of season, though, I just believe that... Um, it's a good time to, to honor people and to appreciate people, and uh, we just believe in an, a culture of honor here, and so I just want to take a moment, and these are all things that I've, I've told her before to her face, but now I'm going to say them in front of all of you as well, and uh, Paige, we have just so appreciated um, that over the past almost three years as worship director, you've just brought such a consistency and such a stability to the worship ministry, and because of your faithfulness and uh, the things that you do behind closed doors where nobody else is looking, when you seek God in the, in the, in the quiet place, um, that we all reap a benefit of that. That I've, in my 15 years of knowing the Lord, um, I've been around hundreds of worship leaders, and I have not known a worship leader with um, as pure heart as yours. And just this heart that just desires for more of God above everything else. And you have a high um, desire for excellence, but it, that doesn't um, eclipse your desire just to see God move and the anointing to fall. And so because of that, you lead us into that, and we all benefit from that. And there's such a beautiful culture of worship. We've been here for about seven months now, and um, we've just noticed, it's one of the things we've noticed, is such a beautiful culture of worship. So thank you. Would you just help me and appreciate Paige? Thank you. They're not leaving. Thank, thank you, Jesus. They're not leaving. Um, but it's just, it's changing a little bit. So would you do me a favor? Would you just um, encourage her this morning and appreciate her? Would you tell her something specific um, in a way that how she's she served and ministered has really blessed you? Would you do me that favor or write her a note or uh, give her some money or something like that? That'd be great. Awesome. Um, this message this morning has really been weighed on my heart for a couple of weeks because um, I believe it's one that it's one that turns the tide of of battle in our lives. We've been in this series entitled "You Have My Attention," which has been a series on worship, 
And Pastor Drew has really uh, started out by defining what worship is, and then we talked about corporate worship, why we gather on Sundays, why we worship together, why we raise our hands, why we sing songs, why we do what we do. Last week, Pastor Drew talked about how each one of us personally have a unique voice, a unique offering of worship in which we bring to the Lord that no one else can bring. And this week, I want to talk to you about warfare worship. Worship is warfare. And I don't know if you know this or not, but, but there is a battle for your life. It's a battle for your family. It's a battle for this region, for this church. There's a war that's being waged against the people of God, against God's way of doing things. And I think many people live their life completely unaware of what's happening in the spiritual. One of my friends said this, he said, until we believe that the spiritual realm is more real than the physical, we will struggle to believe that our prayers or worship carry any real power. What happens is our prayer or our worship just becomes like an ointment we put on an owie. It doesn't really do anything, it just makes us feel a little better. Rather than believing that our worship, that our prayers actually turn the tide of the battle, A couple things I want to mention before we kind of dive into this, because uh, um, I've seen uh, when we start talking about spiritual warfare that people can get kind of weird sometimes. And I believe that we can be spirit-filled believers on fire for God and not be weirdos. Do you agree with me? Amen. I believe that. But people get weird sometimes. And so I want to make something clear that we are not at war with this world. You're not at war with your boss. You're not at war with your spouse. You're not at war uh, with your neighbor. We are not at war with humanity. We are at war with the prince of darkness, with the kingdom of darkness. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're waging war against an enemy who seeks to kill and destroy us. C.S. Lewis says it like only he can in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, enemy-occupied territory, that's what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. The truth is, is that the enemy has a degree of power in this age that we live in. But God has enlisted us to come against the powers of darkness He's enlisted us to destroy the works of the enemy, to walk in spirit and in power every single day of our life, and not on the defensive. Like I said, I think sometimes people get a little weird, and we focus so much of, the, of our wherefore on the de- demonic and the demonic activity, and people start thinking about there's a demon around every, every tree, or we start thinking about all the activity that's happening in the demonic realm, and, and what happens in our mind is we, we raise the devil up to this place of equal in, in, in power with God. I want you to know this morning, the devil is not equal to God. 
The devil is a created being who is in rebellion against God. He is not equal to the Lord. And so because of that, he has been defeated. He is a defeated foe. That is the, this gospel that we believe, this gospel of power that we believe. That So we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. We already have the victory, and the devil has been defeated. And there was a day that he thought he won when Jesus was crucified and Jesus died, where the devil was gloating and thought that he had won. But then Jesus raised to life again and defeated hell and the death and the grave. So there's power in this gospel. And we need not be confused about who we are in the, because of that. That we are sons and daughters. We are adopted. We are co-heirs with Christ. And so if we are sons and daughters of a king, that means there's a, a measure of authority in which we walk in because we, are, are, we bear his name. So everywhere we go, this, we, we bear and we represent Jesus on this earth. But we so easily get confused. Uh, I heard a story of a, a pastor uh, of a larger church, and he had this son who was using his place as the pastor's son to get more animal crackers in Sunday school class. And so he would tell the teacher that he was a pastor's son to get more animal crackers. And his mother found out about it. She said, son, you are not to use your place as the, as the son of the pastor to get more animal crackers. That is not right. So when you're at church, you are not the pastor's son. You are just you. You got it? And he said, okay. A couple weeks later, a woman came up to him and said, oh, hello, aren't you the pastor's son? And he said, well, I thought I was, but my mom said I wasn't. <laughs> it's funny, but you know what? It, it, it proves the point that often we are confused about who we are. And I think one of the things that the enemy seeks to confuse us or discourage us about is the power in which we carry as sons and daughters of a king. The enemy is defeated, but he is still free to deceive. He's still free to tempt. He's still free to wreak havoc and cause sickness and disease on this planet. But one of the most beautiful things is that God in his sovereign plan of redemption, he chose you and I a broken humanity. He chose you and I, and he's given us a role and a place of influence in unfolding this plan of redemption. God has tethered us to him. He has made us the object of his affection. And he's given each one of us a role to play. I think that's beautiful. It shows the true power of this gospel that God would, would say, I'm gonna show, just, show you just how powerful this gospel really is. That I'm gonna fill these broken people and we're gonna mend it. And they're gonna walk in power and, and destroy the works of the enemy. I have found in my life, honestly, that one of the best ways to war against the enemy is to pursue Jesus. And quite honestly, I, I couldn't care less what the enemy was doing. I wanna know what God is doing. I wanna know where God is moving. I wanna know what God's plan is. I wanna know where he's leading. I wanna know the places that he has paved a way for us to go. That's what I wanna know. And sometimes we, we, we can have so much of our effort concentrated on what the enemy is doing that it's taken our focus off of Jesus. 
Because the enemy doesn't want us to know that the spirit of God that lives inside each one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, then that means the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And that is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If we truly understood that, if we truly grasped that the Holy Spirit lives in you and I, that means that everywhere you go, it is light. That you could go into the darkest of situations, the most demonic of situations, and it becomes light because you are there. That's why Psalm 139, and Pastor Drew referenced it last week, it said that even the darkness is as light to you, God. It means wherever he, he goes, wherever his presence is established, man, it becomes light there. It could be like, we could go into a closet that is pitch black, there's zero light in there. And if we light a match, it doesn't matter how dark that darkness is, it becomes light. That is your life. So we are fighting an offensive battle, we're not fighting a defensive battle. In, in Ephesians chapter six, it talks about putting on the full armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of the salvation, all these things. When he's talking about this armor, none of it protects your backside. So it's not meant for running away. <laughs> it's, a, it's meant for, for pushing forward. It doesn't mean there's not gonna be resistance, but it's meant for pushing forward, for fighting this fight against this enemy. The light is in you. So this morning, there are three weapons of warfare that I wanna talk about this morning. And for some of you here that you might think, man, that's, this seems really elementary. But what I've seen in my studies and in people that I look up to and pillars of faith, I've looked, seen the people that have made the greatest impact on this world have done the simple things very well, have done the elementary things really well, and, every, and the rest of their life is built on that foundation. And I don't know about you, but I want, oh man, I just want God to use my life. I want God to use my life when I stand before him one day. Man, I want my voice to be hoarse. I want my hands to be calloused. I want my knees to be bruised. Listen, I left it all. I want God to use my life. And I hope you do too. There's three weapons of this warfare this morning that I want to encourage you with. First one is this. It's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, gratitude, thankfulness. Thanksgiving is remembering what God has done. Remembering what God has done. How many of you have ever wondered what the will of God for your life is? It's a question I've heard. I worked with college students for many, many, many years, and I heard it over and over again. I want to know what God's will for my life is. Well, I'm going to tell you this morning, okay? The Bible actually tells you this. So if you're taking notes, this is a good place to start. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In some things, give thanks. Oh, wait, nope. Sometimes give thanks. Wait, no. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always in every situation. Don't rejoice when you just feel like it. Just don't rejoice when, when you get the promotion or, or you pass the exam. Rejoice always. Be thankful for what God has done in your life and what God is doing in your life. Pray without ceasing. 
Don't just go have God be this auxiliary uh, component of your life where you, you go to this place and then you disconnect with him and go on with your life. Stay connected with God all day long. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you, where are you moving right now? And in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. See, when we're thankful, we have a difficult time complaining. And oftentimes our prayers or our worship become a complaining session. And the enemy starts whispering in our ear and says, you don't deserve this. That should have been you that got that promotion. You don't deserve this. Why would God let this happen to you? And we start feeling entitled. And let's not even start talking about what we really deserve. But when we start to thank God, it combats that complaining and fosters humility, which gives way to faith. And it could be something even as simple. There's been times in my life where I'm like, I don't feel like there's a lot to be thankful for, and I start thanking him, and, and then it becomes never-ending. And I start sometimes in the most simple places. God, thank you that today I ate. There was a lot of people in this world that didn't get to eat today. Thank you that I got to eat. Thank you that I had a roof over my head and a warm bed to sleep in. God, thank you that I have breath in my lungs to worship you today. Thank you, God, for the grace that saved a life that I didn't think was worth saving. God, thank you for redeeming a drug addict's life, a drunk's life. God, thank you for changing and transforming my life. How quickly we forget where we came from. I mean, I think about that day when I felt the relief of the sin and all the shame that I carried in my life. And we all have different stories and different testimonies. And some of us have walked with God our whole life, but there was a time in your life where you made a decision for yourself. I'm going to serve you, Jesus. And we cannot save ourselves. Only he can save us. But how quickly we forget and we need reminding. Not so God can rub it in and, and hold it over our head. But for us, it fosters humility that, God, you are king. It's you. This is your deal. This whole thing is your deal. And I'm a son. Thank you that I'm included in this, that you've grafted me in, that you've brought me into this. You didn't have to, but you wanted to. Thank you, Jesus. There's this story that I read from time to time um, because it really encourages me. And uh, I'm going to read it to you this morning, and it's from a pastor named Pastor Richard Wormbrand, um, who was a pastor behind the Iron Curtain in communist Romania and uh, experienced incredible torture um, to the hands of the communists and um, wrote a book called Torture for Christ, which really lifted the veil on what was going on. And uh, it's not a book I recommend. It's pretty hard to get through. Um, and a book called In God's Underground, this is an excerpt from that. But Richard Wormbrand tells a story of a prison guard who was responsible for killing and putting Christians through unspeakable torture through communism behind the Iron Curtain. Communism is bad. This soldier saw the Christians love him despite what he had done. Richard writes this, he says, this man had no religious education he had never attended a religious service, but he so desperately wanted to know about God without the slightest knowledge of him 
So I read to him the Sermon on the Mount and the parables of Jesus. And after hearing him, he, this man danced around the room in rapturous joy, proclaiming, what a wondrous beauty. How could I live without knowing this Jesus? It was the first time I saw someone so joyful in Christ. But then I made a terrible mistake. I read to him the passion and the crucifixion of Jesus without having prepared him for it. He had not expected it. And when he heard how Jesus was beaten and how he was crucified and that in the end he died, he fell into the armchair and began to weep bitterly. He had believed in a savior and now the savior was dead. I looked at him and I was ashamed that I had called myself a Christian, a pastor, a teacher of others. I had, sh I had never shared in the suffering of Jesus as this Russian so soldier now shared them. But then I read to him the story of the resurrection. He had not known that this savior arose from the tomb. And when he heard about this wonderful news, he beat his knees and swore a very dirty swear. This was his crude manner of speech. And again, he rejoiced. He's alive, he's alive. And he danced around the room, overwhelmed with happiness. And I said to him, let's pray. But he did not know our prayers. He did not know our holy phrases. He fell to his knees together with me. And his words of prayer were simply this. Oh God, what a fine chap you are. If I were you and you were me, I would have never forgiven you of your sins. But you really are a very nice chap. I love you with all of my heart and I will serve you forever. I think that all the angels in heaven and heaven stopped what they are doing, stopped what they were doing to listen to this beautiful act of worship. This man had truly been one for Jesus. How quickly we forget where God has brought us from. And the moment we start to reflect and remember God's faithfulness in our life, when we face times of struggle in our life now, we'll say, God, you have been faithful and you will remain faithful in my life. Thanksgiving. Second weapon is this, praise. Praise is our declaration of who he is. And it's interesting because biblically, there seems to be a connection between obedience in the physical and spiritual and breakthrough in the spiritual. I mean, what we do in the physical seems to release something in the spiritual. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, there's a story, it's a, a case in point. And we don't have time to read through all of it this morning, but we'll read through some of it. And it's a story where King Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and there's three different armies that, are, that have been raised up and are coming to attack and kill him, and there's way more than they could ever handle. And so the first thing that King Jehoshaphat does is he assembles all the people together, and they begin to thank him for what he's done, how he's been faithful to their forefathers, how they've delivered them, and they've brought them into this land that they now inhabit. And they say, God, we don't know what to do, but you know what to do. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon a prophet. And the prophet essentially says, this battle is not your battle to fight. God is going to fight your battle. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Position yourself in this valley. And that's all the instruction that he gives them. And so King, what King Jehoshaphat does is this, and we'll read it in verse 21. 
And when Jehoshaphat consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were all defeated. What happened, it seems ludicrous. It seems insane. But this is what happens. When crisis strikes our life, the first thing we, think to, we start doing is saying, how can I handle this? What can I do? Okay, I need to assemble all the biggest and baddest warriors that I can, and they're gonna go out and we're gonna try our best, even though it's gonna be a futile effort. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. Because you know what? Our best plan, our best, best plan just is, fails in comparison to God's plan. So what does he do? He assembles the worshipers to go out before them and just to worship, to declare the truth of who God is. And what happens when they're obedient to the physical and the spiritual, God goes out before. And what happens is that it says that God confuses the enemy, confounds the enemy. And the enemies, they, they get all mixed up and they start attacking one another. And they, they all kill each other. And they, and they never even, and the, the people of Judah never even lifted a sword. God fought the battle for them. What if God fought your battles for you? What if God fought my battles for me? When we begin to praise, this comes against unbelief and doubt. The enemy starts to whisper in our ear when struggle hits, when crisis hits, when we feel the attacks of the enemy. He begins to whisper in our ear, is God really good? Is God really who he says he is. Are you sure about that? If he was really good, would you be struggling with this? Would you be dealing with this? And it's in those moments we focus our attention on what is true. And sometimes I've known there's been dark moments in my life where I can only focus on one or two things that I know absolutely are true. But I'm gonna hang on tight to those truths. This is who God is. This morning, there's some of you in this place that says, I'm not sure who Jesus is, or I'm not convinced. I'll help you. Jesus is Savior. He is Lord, Master, and King. He is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Son of the Living God, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the vine. He is the bread of life, the water of life, the gate, the only gate, the way, the truth, and the life, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. He is the great healer and physician, the lily of the valley. He is the fairest of 10,000. He is the word of God and the great I am. He is the image of the invisible God, the ruler of all creation, the firstborn of the dead, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who holds all things together by his powerful word. He is perfect love and he is Jesus. He is our fortress. He is our strong tower. He is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in time of need. He is our champion, our deliverer, our redeemer, our avenger, the lifter of our heads and the healer of our hearts. He cannot be contained. He cannot be overcome. His goodness cannot be exaggerated. The grace cannot be exhausted. His knowledge and wisdom are unsearchable. His love is unfathomable. This is Jesus. This is the Jesus that we serve. 
And so when we lift up this shout of praise before the Lord, he goes out before us. And he confounds the plans of the enemy. And we establish his presence in a region. And the enemy gets scared to even come close. This is the Jesus that we serve. I want you to hear me this morning that this is not a defensive battle. We are going out and we are taking back what the enemy has stolen, what the enemy has taken. And the praises of his people will be one of the weapons in which God sees it happen. Amen? We remember, we focus our attention on who Jesus is. We're grateful for what he's done, but we want to know who he is. We want to know his nature, and the aim of our life is to know God more because there's no end to knowing him. The last thing is this. The last weapon is worship. Worship is the reality of his presence. The reality of his presence. It's when we encounter God. There's a story in Matthew 14 where Jesus walks on the water. Some of you might be aware of this story. And the disciples are, Jesus tells them to go across the lake and so the disciples are struggling in a great windstorm because a great windstorm comes up and they are getting tossed all about the sea. And uh, so Jesus finally comes to them early in the morning and he walks out on the water to them and they, they see him and Peter asks if he could come out. And so, so Peter comes out and walks to Jesus and he starts, takes his eyes off of Jesus, starts focusing on the, the waves and he starts to sink and Jesus comes over and, and pulls him up and they both together walk back on the water, back to the boat. And when they get into the boat, the, cal- the sea calms immediately and the response of the disciples is they fall down and worship because they have encountered the true God they've encountered the Messiah another version says that they were terrified (laughs) who is this Jesus who is this Jesus worship is the reality of God's presence when we encounter him in such a way there's such a heightened awareness of God's nature of his truth of what he's doing, of his promises, the reality of his rule and his reign. There's an increased awareness of his authority. And because he has all authority under heaven and earth, he has given us authority as sons and daughters. And worship is this beautiful thing because there's an exchange that happens we come before this God and and we empty ourselves of everything and he fills us with who he is we give him all our junk and he gives us all the goodness of who he is and I believe like Pastor Drew said last week is that God will give us songs that will mark seasons of our life and it may not be a, a, a song that you've written or anything like that, but a, a certain song that just kind of is your anthem for a season. I think that's such a gift from the Lord. That God knows the things that, that we need. That's why we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he gives us everything that we need. 
And there's certain songs and there's certain anthems of seasons that God gives us that we lift up with a loud voice. And it encourages us and it lifts us up. In a couple weeks, we're gonna introduce a, a song that Joe and Paige and I wrote just proclaiming this next season that I believe that we're, we're coming into and it's just really, God, we're ready. God, we're ready to do, for you to do whatever you wanna do. God, we just, we say yes to you, whatever you want. We're gonna lift up and proclaim the name of Jesus. I heard a story of a, a man who had done some climbing and he, there was a particular mountain that he wanted to climb, but he heard that this mountain had a lot of snakes on it. And he was deathly afraid of snakes, but he said, I wanna overcome my fear and I wanna climb this mountain. It's just a, it's an important mountain. And so him and this guide, they begin to climb this mountain. And the guide tells him, now be careful. I know you know this, but there's lots of snakes. So you just always have to be careful where you're, where you're stepping, where you're standing. And I'll tell you when there's different areas that I know that I've seen a lot of them. And so they start walking and there'd be a certain area and the, the guide would turn around and say, hey, there's, I've seen a lot of snakes in this area, so just be careful where you're watching, where you're walking. And they keep climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing to higher altitudes, higher altitudes. Finally, at one point, they've been, they get to, they get to this, a certain altitude the guy turns around and he says, we don't have to worry about the snakes anymore. They can't get this high. They can't climb this high. They can't survive in that altitude. And I believe that there's a place of worship that we can be so, we can so encounter the presence of God that the enemy is afraid to even come close. <laughs> and I believe that it's specifically for our church that God is making this a house of worship that the enemy's not even allowed within a hundred miles. 100 yard radius of this place that as people start to enter into these doors that diseases just leave and sickness leaves and mental illness leaves because of the established presence of God in a place so this morning would you stand with me I've asked the team to help us worship we're going to sing a familiar song in a moment before we do that I want to want to give a moment as we do this every single week, we want to give people an opportunity to respond to this gospel. 15 years ago, I was an alcoholic and a drug addict, depressed, thought about blowing my brains out every single day. And Jesus saved me and changed my life. He's transformed me. And I'm not unique. He wants to do that with every single human being on this planet. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you a question. And in response to that question, I want you to raise your hand. response, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything weird, I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to embarrass you, but like we said earlier, there's, a, there's something that happens in physical obedience that, that is released in the spiritual. So if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Tony, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm like you were, I'm far away from him. Or maybe you've had a relationship with him in the past and it's grown cold and stagnant and you need to get your life right with the Lord. If that's you, would you just put a hand up so I can see you? I want to just pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? I appreciate your honesty. You can put your hands down. If you raise your hand, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer. And I want you just to pray a prayer like this in your heart. It's, God's not looking for the right 
formula of words. He's looking for a complete surrender of your heart and your life. So as I pray, you just, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to pray a prayer like this in your heart. God, I surrender my life to you today. I give you every single part of who I am. Nothing is hidden from you. And God, right now, I just turn from the things of this world and I stop pursuing the things of this world and now my aim of my life is going to be to pursue you with everything that I am. God, I receive that gift of salvation that comes through the blood of Jesus. And right now, Holy Spirit, just come and fill to overflowing. Mark them with your seal in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do me a favor and welcome uh, these these people into the kingdom. This is the first the first day of your life. This is the first day of your life. I want to do something together because I think when we come to worship, a lot of us worship our problems and we worship our issues. We wouldn't we don't think of it like that, but we, when we think of it in terms of that which holds our attention that which captures our attention. We're thinking about our problems. We worry a lot more than we worship. So for some of us, man, you feel like you walk in condemnation. You walk a lot in condemnation. And the Bible says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No, zero condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you're, you're struggling with condemnation, a lot of times it's because we're so focused on our own brokenness instead of the vastness of God's goodness. And so I want to do something this morning, if you would. Would everybody in this, in this room close your eyes? I'm not going to do anything weird to you, but just close your eyes. We're going to, I want you to, I'm going to give you permission right now to just think of something that you're facing, thinking, think of something that you're struggling with, a battle that you're, you're, you're facing or area of sin in your life, whatever it is. I want you to, to picture it in your mind's eye. Imagine that you're, you're standing there and you're holding it in your hands, whatever that is. Maybe it's many things. Maybe it's a person. But you're holding it in your hands. Now, I want, to, I want you to imagine that you're standing in front of Jesus, and he's there. And he can look like whatever you want him to look like. But you're standing in front of Jesus with this issue in your hand. And now I want you just to, to take that, and I want you just to set it at his feet. And you're just going to release it to him. You're going to entrust this thing to him. Say, God, I trust you to fight my battles for me. And so now I'm just going to worship you. I'm just going to praise. My weapons of warfare is going to be thanksgiving, praise, and worship. That's how I will fight. So, Lord, right now we do that. We just pray for, for a release from all these things. We pray for a release of the pressure of having to solve every problem, of having to know the solution to every issue. God, we just remind ourselves that this is your thing. This is your deal, that you chose us. 
right now, God, we're just going to choose to praise you. We're just going to choose to worship you. We're going to sing a song, and with that praise of exaltation to you, you will go before us, you will go behind us, and you will be all around us. God, I pray this morning you set forth something new into motion. Your word says, behold, I am doing a new thing. God, you're never just sitting on your hands, sitting idly. You're always doing and moving. So we want to be in step with you. We want to align ourselves with your will and your way. So I pray this morning that we would do that. So as we praise this morning, as we worship, God, we pray that that would be our weapon of warfare. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.